Good morning. Happy Easter. I'm so glad that you guys are joining us in the live stream this morning. Um, some of you are all dressed up today. Uh, some of you, your mom made you dress up today, and I want to give you a little tip before we get started. If you're dressed up today, your mom's going to want you to take pictures, and it's going to take longer than you want it to, a lot longer than you want it to. But if you'll just smile and look at the camera, it will go quicker. So um, before you do that, you can go in the bathroom and look in the, look in the mirror. You need to make sure you're smiling good, like a good smile in practice, or else uh, you probably don't know what your smile looks like, so you might get a like, creepy smile or something. So um, yeah, you could do that. It'll make your mom happy. Um, you'll thank me later. But today is Easter, so there is a really, really good reason to smile, and we're going to read about that in Mark chapter 16 this morning. In Mark 16, it says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, they paid for them, so that they might go and anoint him. That's Jesus, that's the body of Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And this event completely turned their lives upside down. We have to understand is during, the pass, during uh, Christ's death on the cross was the Passover season. So it was a season where they had a lot of activities going on, a lot of religious activities and observances and things to do. And he died at a really, really inopportune, uh, a time that was just really inconvenient. And so they didn't have time to prepare the body the way they wanted to. So they were going to the tomb to prepare the body. And Jesus' death and burial was a major inconvenience. It couldn't have happened at a worse time of year. And when someone died, they would prepare the body, but they didn't get a chance to do that. So they're thrown off of their routine. In a similar way, all of us are thrown off of our routine this Easter. Every single one of us is thrown off of our routine. In fact, your life is probably flipped upside down, shaken, and dumped all over the place. Maybe you're, you're dressed up. Maybe you didn't dress up because it's not a normal Easter Maybe you normally go out to dinner. Maybe you um, hang out with friends or you have other traditions and you just can't keep them this year because it's different. And on top of their Passover celebration being messed up, next verse we see they have a major problem. In Mark 16, verse 3, it says, And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to roll away the stone? And this was a problem for them. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. But before that, they said this was a problem. Who's going to roll away the stone? They were worried about how they would accomplish the rest of the things on their list. They had a list of things that needed to be done. It wasn't in their mind that they were going to find that Jesus had resurrected. In their mind, they had a list of things they needed to do to be good friends, to be good family. They needed to take care of this body. They needed to lay him to rest properly. And they had... I'm sure I sat and had meetings about how they were going to accomplish this, what time they were going to go, what they were going to do. And the biggest thing that they were worried about was who's going to roll away the stone? Who is going to get this, this obstacle out of their way? The tomb had been blocked, and so nobody could steal the body. And their worry was, how do we get this big stone out of the way? But when they get to the tomb, they find out. They saw that the stone had been rolled back. And it was very large. And they had spent a lot of brain cycles thinking, worrying about something that turned out to not matter at all. 
They worried about it. But when they got there, it didn't matter at all. And that's only the beginning of their surprise, though. Now we have a random person in the tomb. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. They were alarmed. They see this young man sitting there, and then he speaks, and he says to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Here they were with all of their stuff. They had just spent a bunch of money on herbs and spices. They had wrappings. They had the dressings. They were ready to dress and prepare the body. They're carrying all these things prepared for the list of things they needed to do that day. They had spent money. They had prepared. They had met. They had talked. They had planned how they're going to do this and what they would do. All this planning for a moment that never came, for a moment that was never meant to come. The body was never going to be there The problem of how they would care for the dead body of Jesus was never going to be a real issue. It never even was a real issue. And in the moment, they were thrown off balance. They were completely thrown off balance. And their picture of what was true and what was required of them was shattered in that moment at the tomb. These moments don't come very often. They're pretty rare. Moments that can completely shift the ground underneath you. They just completely change your view of everything and allow you to recalculate what your purpose is. Right now, the world is facing such a moment. The entire world is facing such a moment. The world has shifted beneath our feet. Our economy has shifted beneath our feet. My schedule is turned upside down and inside out. Your schedule is turned upside down. Many of you are on forced rest, forced vacation. Many of you could be or are losing income. You can't shop like you used to. You can't vacation like you used to. You can't hang out with friends like you used to. Your social life is different. Your food life is different. I haven't eaten out in weeks. It's great because Lee's cooking all the time and it's wonderful. She's an amazing cook and I'm saving money. But I haven't got to eat out in weeks and I'm kind of missing our special pizza that we like. School is different. Work is different. Really important meetings that you just had to be there are no longer that important. And we can't run as hard and as fast as we used to as a society and as a culture. And right now is an incredible, valuable moment to reevaluate your life and ask what is really important. What is really important? When I was a kid, I was a pack rat. Some of you are pack rats. We have some uh, great pack rats here at, at church. You know who you are. I'm not going to call you out on the internets. But I was a pack rat, and I loved to take everything apart. Anything electronic that nobody wanted anymore, if it didn't work, they were like, Ron, you want this? And I was always, yes. And I would take it apart. I'd take all the screws out, take all the springs out, take all the parts, and I would save them. Save them in little baggies, save them in little uh, drawers or little boxes. And I didn't know what to do with it, but in my mind, I thought, someday, 
something's going to happen, and I'm going to need to build something amazing and like save the world or do something cool. You know, I was a little kid or teenager, and I thought, I'm going to build, I'm going to need these things sometime, and it's going to be important, so I'm going to hang on to these. And so I just would pack right all of these wires and stuff that I was never going to use. It probably didn't even work. I didn't even know how half of it worked. I just wanted to save it because it, it reminded me of something. I thought it was important. And my room was a disaster. My room was a disgusting, messy place. And I could never keep it clean. I could never clean my room because I didn't have homes for all the things in my room. So one day, I was about probably 16, 17 years old. Uh, my family were missionaries in Japan. We're living there. And this, a friend of mine named Shane came over. And Shane was in the Navy. He was a few years older than me, but he was still young. He was in the Navy. And so he'd been through boot camp and learned that he didn't need to own anything but two pairs of socks and like an undershirt. And so he comes into my room. We're hanging out. And he's like, we're going to clean this room. And I'm like, oh, that would be great if you could help me organize it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, he knows something I don't. He's going to be able to organize all the things that I have. And all of a sudden, it will be neat and clean. And so Shane opens up my closet, these giant sliding doors, because that's how they are in Japan. He pulls out a box of just parts, and he flips it over and dumps it on the floor. And they go everywhere. And he's like, what's this stuff? And I said, well, that's parts. And he's like, well, what do you need it for? And he picks up some random piece of metal and electronics. He's like, what is this for? And I'm like, I don't know. I might need it someday. And he, he takes it and looks me in the eye and goes, and throws it in the trash. And I'm like, oh. and then he's like, he starts grabbing handfuls and just throwing this stuff in the trash. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we're cleaning your room. And he proceeded to just take box after box of thing and just dump it on the ground. And it's amazing how when your life is dumped on the ground, I realized the fear of losing the thing was more valuable than the actual thing. The fear of loss was keeping me weighed down with junk. The fear of not having this just in case I needed it was causing me to hang on to stuff that was really preventing me from having a, a clean life, a clean bedroom, a room where I could feel restful and relaxed because I had this junk. And carrying this junk from place to place when we moved, preventing me from having a nice room to live in now just so I won't miss out on something I might need in the future. And Paul describes sin. Very similarly, in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every weight in the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Lay aside the weight, the sin which clings so closely easily. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's exactly what Shane did for me when I was about 17 years old. Hanging on to junk, he laid aside the weight and the junk that had surrounded my life that I was carrying around with me. And in this moment, two things have collided in the universe for us collectively as a nation. On one hand, you have a global pandemic that has taken all of our lives because of social distancing, has flipped everything upside down and dumped it and shaken it all over the floor. And number two, 
We have Easter, the resurrection. And for weeks now, you've been scrambling to figure out a way to keep it all together, to hang on to all the stuff you need to do and all the things that you think are important and continue to maintain your life as close to the status quo as you can. And then we have Easter, the day we remember that Jesus has defeated sin, that Jesus has defeated shame, that Jesus has set us free from the power of greed and gluttony, that Jesus has set us free from gossip, from lust, from anger, hostility, and cursing, and all of your life has been dumped into a big pile on the floor. And in this moment, we all, every one of us, get to decide what pieces will we fight to keep. What pieces of the, the dumped out mess of your life in this moment are you going to scramble to keep? What is really important? And nothing brings clarity like crisis. When crisis happens, it brings clarity. And Paul says, let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. He says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. And some of you have sin to deal with. That's the thing you have to deal with. Some of you, in this collision of earth-shattering events, in this moment of clarity, you need, you need to deal with that. You need to take care of the sin problem that you've been, you've been playing with, that you've been messing around with, that you've been thinking wasn't a big deal. And you have sin that needs to be dealt with in this moment. And you have clarity. You can't continue to go out and party like you used to. You can't continue to do the things like you used to. Maybe you can't gossip because there's no water cooler anymore. Whatever the thing is, you can't do that thing anymore. And so now you have clarity. You've been messing around with sin. You've been feeding brokenness in your heart for too long. And this is your moment to have clarity, to do something about it today. Call somebody. Message somebody. Confess what you're dealing with and get some help. Don't let this time of clarity, when you have time to deal, go by. Don't let it go by. Some of you have your priorities all mixed up. You have elevated work above people in your life. You have elevated money above people in your life. You've elevated some goal or pursuit above the people that really matter in your life. And God has given you these people to love and to serve. And this is your number one ministry. This is your number one priority. And this is a moment for you to recalibrate and reprioritize those things. In this moment is a gut check because these goals are set way back. You can't, you can't do them. You, I mean, what, what was a six-month goal is now maybe a year goal or a two-year goal or a I don't know goal because things have shifted beneath your feet. And everything that stood in the way of you loving and serving others the way that you should or would if you could has been removed. And now you can. So run that race. Lean into learning how to love and to serve the ones that God has given you in your life. Some of you have been complacent. Some of you find a reason to blame your current life on everybody else. 
And you look at others with jealousy and you say, well, if I had the opportunities that they had, then I would be able to do what they do. But that's, that's not the case. Paul says we have to run the race that is set before us, not the race that is set before someone else. I'm not supposed to run the race that is set before another pastor in town. I'm not supposed to, to be the dad to someone else's kids. I'm supposed to be the dad to my kids. I'm supposed to do the things that I'm supposed to do, and you're supposed to do the things that you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given you, not the opportunities you wish he would give you. So run the race that God has set before you. What can you do? What are your abilities? What are, what are the things that you have? What are the responsibilities that you have? Do those well and be content in that. Be content in that. Maybe you've never once considered that the race God has set in front of you is not the race that God has set in front of them. Don't run someone else's race. Run the race that God has placed in front of you. Do what you can with the small opportunities you have and that will prepare you for the opportunities in the future. They had come to prepare the body, and they left as the first messengers of the gospel. In verse 7, he says, go, go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And this is amazing. They had gone to prepare the body of Jesus. They had gone to mourn, to have a funeral, to, to prepare this dead, lifeless body. And they left as the first messengers of the gospel. Isn't that pretty amazing? Their life was changed. Their purpose was completely flipped upside down. That's not what they expected to happen. And this is ultimately all of our purpose. We, we are a church where broken people find hope. And none of that has changed. The hope is Jesus, the one who took our sin and died, the one who rose again from the third day, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will restore what is broken. He will bring justice. He will make right what is wrong. And as we wait in anticipation of that day, we have a message for everyone that Jesus is the hope of the world. And we are a church where broken people find hope. Jesus is the way to new life. He is the way to new life. And that has not changed whether there's a pandemic going on, whether, uh, whether things in our life are flipped upside down and shaken or not. Jesus is still our hope. And none of that has changed. So, this week you have homework. This week you have homework, and I have three questions I want you to think about and ask. Three questions I want you to work through. Number one is this. What things should I not pick back up? What things should I not pick back up? Imagine, your life has been dumped out because of this global pandemic. Maybe you can't go to work like you used to. You're stuck at home. Your schedule's all thrown off. What things should you not pick back up? In that schedule. When you look at your schedule and you think, man, I, I don't need that. I don't need that payment. I don't need that activity. I don't need that friendship. I don't need that relationship. I don't need to pick that back up. What things in your life has crisis giving you clarity that you don't need to pick back up? Number two, what things should I pick up right now? What things has crisis given you clarity that you should be carrying? Maybe it's your devotional life and time spent in scripture and prayer. 
Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe it's something much more plain and, and normal. Maybe it's just time with your kids. Maybe you need to pick up an Xbox controller and start playing video games again with your kids. Maybe it's time with wife or husband. Maybe it's date night and you can't do that at a restaurant, but you can find some way to lock the kids in their bedroom or something and turn on Netflix and have date night. I don't know, but what, what is it that you need to pick back up that is, seems like you've been putting off, you know, because, oh, it's two weeks, you know, and we'll scramble right now, but really, it's important in your life and you need to pick this back up. Maybe it's a friendship and you just, you've been disconnected because you were, the space was separated, but now you need to figure out how to call and text and FaceTime and do whatever you need to do to reconnect with that relationship and that friend. And number three, what things should be more important when I can't pick them up? What things should be more important? And as crisis brings clarity in your life, so we have a pandemic, we have Easter, we have the, the resurrection and Jesus' reality that you don't have to carry sin. You don't have to carry brokenness. You get to decide what kind of life you're going to live whether you're going to follow Christ or not, whether you're gonna lead your family to follow Christ or not, that is on you. That is your call. That is your decision. So what things do you need to pick back up that are non-negotiable? What are the things in your life that, that give life, that teach your children how to serve and love others? What are those things that are non-negotiable that you will absolutely pick back up? And because of clarity in this moment, you see how, how meaningful those things are. I want you to think about these things with your homework. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we trust you. We love you. We know that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you that you died for us. And not only that, that you rose again from the dead to give us eternal life. God, we can't thank you enough. And we don't have to carry shame we don't have to carry brokenness. We don't have to carry sin. We don't have to carry weights. And God, in this moment where our lives are flipped upside down and shaken and dumped out, help us to reevaluate what is true, what is good, what is honorable and just and lovely. What are the good things that you have called us to pursue, to lead in, to teach, to grow? What are the areas that you want us to do and to lean into? Help us to reprioritize our lives. Help us to reset the pace of life. Help us to trust you in this moment that you have us. In Jesus' name, amen.